Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with your trio of hosts, Jason Grace, Rob McIntyre, and Mike Janun. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Here are your hosts, Jason, Rob, and Mike. Well, welcome back to the Blazing Grace Show. This is Rob McIntyre with Mike Janung. Say hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. <laughs> no, <you're supposed> to... <laughs> and uh, uh, Jason is still on sabbatical. When is that guy coming back? Is he working on his tan or what? No, it's because the Lakers has been whipping on the Sonics. We have a great guest today, Mike. Uh, Molly Ann Miller, she's the uh, author of Finding Healing for the Betrayal of Sexual Addiction. And also, she is a graduate of the University of California at Irvine. She's also a nurse using her uh, knowledge and experience or expertise to speak and teach on about sexually transmitted disease and sexual abstinence. And uh, she and her husband live by a beautiful place there in uh, Yosemite in California. And I'm, I'm from the Bay Area, actually, Molly Ann. So why don't you say hi? Hello. Thank okay. you for inviting me. Well, welcome. Welcome. Um, now, this is a great book, and I've just had a chance to look at it, and, and we were talking before the show, you know, that I'm a therapist, and, and, and this is a great need for women who come into, um, into, the, into my office who are trying to deal with this. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? Okay, I would love to. About 15 years ago, I got a call from my pastor to come to his office, and when I got there, my husband was there, and I thought, hmm. you know, why isn't he at work? And when I walked in the pastor said, you know, your husband has something to tell you, and and my life has absolutely never been the same. But my husband um, confessed that he had been having sexual um, encounters mm. for the entire 19 years of our marriage, um, and I, I was just, I, I was totally, I was totally unaware. Um, nothing, nothing wow. prepared me for that. Um, he had started as a teenager with pornography. Um, had trouble with masturbation, and right before our wedding, he thought, well, that'll be the end of that. Right. Um, and then it wasn't the end of that. And he was a youth pastor, but mm. he would go to X-rated movies, and it just grew. And by the time he confessed to me, he was actually soliciting prostitutes. Mm. Um, and the reason he confessed to me is he had finally contracted an STD, mm. and he had promised himself that he, if he ever got a disease, he would he would tell me. And much to his credit, he told me in front of our pastor to have some accountability, which helped me tremendously. Um, but you can imagine, and you know, it was so hard because he was very broken and very contrite and really took full responsibility. Right. Um, he said, I expect you won't want to live with me now, and it'll be the end of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I... He was so broken that it was easy for me to have compassion on him, and we did not understand at the time that it was an addiction. Right. Um, so it was easy for me to want to forgive him because, first of all, I was really codependent, but he was very appropriate. He was very sorry. He would have done anything to get healed. Um, so we started the recovery process. We started going to counseling and therapists and um the most wonderful thing was one of the first people that we went to their seminar was Dr. Patrick Carnes, mm -hmm. and um, he drew an octopus shape on the blackboard, and he said, sex addiction is not about sex. It's about pain, and right. he drew pain in the middle, and he said, there's all these legs on the octopus, and he said, if you act out sexually, 
um, it medicates you for a few minutes. If right. you cut that leg off, you will act out with another thing, workaholism, perfectionism, gambling, right. shoplifting. Anything can be addiction. For me, it's chocolate and compulsive gardening <laughs> and antiquing. Um, and that helped me so much because I blamed myself. You know, am I, is something wrong with me? Right. Don't I satisfy my husband? Am I, you know, am I overweight? Am I not pretty? And it's not about the spouse at all. That's, that's a real good point it's to underscore, not. isn't it? He was like that before I ever met him. So, and, um, so you, you, you have this huge experience there in the pastor's office. Yes. And, and, and you walk away, uh, you know, and what, what were you feeling? I mean, I, it sounds like you're very compassionate towards what was going on with your husband, but when it finally hit you, how did you feel? You know, it finally hit me the next morning. And he reached out to touch me, and I'm, I pulled away. Right. I, I could not stand for him to even touch me. I was so <sighs> betrayed. I was so betrayed. And um, my my whole world fell apart. And I went into a deep grief process. I cried. I cried for a year. And I had one wonderful friend who was such a good listener. And I would call her, and she basically would just listen to me cry on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um she just loved me, and she would say, oh, Jana, you know, you're in so much pain. She just let me have my feelings. She let me grieve. She loves my husband. She didn't bash him. She didn't tell me to leave him. She just gave me Jesus' love, and that's, boy, what I needed. The other thing that was especially hard was we were strong Christians. My whole, our whole, we were virgins when we got married. Mm-hmm. Every day we prayed, you know, Lord, you know, let us do your will today. We were in leadership positions of the church. And I just felt like God had betrayed me too. I mean, if I'm really trying to walk with God and this is how, what he allows into my life, then I don't think I trust him very much either. So, um, so for the first 19 years, you didn't have any, any wind of a clue that he might have struggled with this stuff? You know, there was two or three times when I had an inkling, and I actually confronted him one time. But addicts are such good liars. Mm, yeah. <laughs> they live in this verbal reality. Yeah. And I believed it because I don't lie, you know? And I I, I didn't even enter my mind he could be lying. Well, didn't even I, enter my mind. Yeah, let me, let me tell you a little snippet on me, and I think some of our listeners know this, but I used to work undercover as a cop in the Bay Area, and I think my addiction was really the thing that helped me learn how to lie professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, enough about me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, no, because it's, it's, it's very hard for us spouses to actually figure out that our husbands lie. Right, right. And, and it is shocking to us to accept that, that reality. And we, we have to get out of our denial and start facing that because mm-hmm. it doesn't help them for us to be in denial. In, in your book, you write, some marriages die because a wife can't offer her husband mercy for small grievances while others thrive when a wife forgives the worst offenses. How are you able to forgive? You know, I was able to forgive, first of all, because my husband took responsibility for himself and he got into recovery and we started building trust again. Um, sadly, I'm in recovery with a lot of women whose husbands don't want to do that. Right. And if a husband is continually acting out, then it is really disrespectful for a wife to keep having sexual relations with him because she's putting her life in jeopardy. So first of all, most important thing is he did take responsibility for himself. Um, And that 
that's huge. You, you know, the only thing God gives us more of than grace is free choice. And as much as I would have liked to have thought I have enough love to control my husband, I can be nice enough, I can forgive him enough, none of those things do it. It has to be completely 100% their choice. Um, I, I received an email lately from a guy who uh, about a year ago he confessed to his wife that he had an issue with sexual addiction. And he's been in recovery for eight months, working at it hard. And in their church, she's been surrounded by other ladies who are basically saying, divorce the guy, and they're feeding her with all this poison. Mm. What would you say to that church and to that woman in this situation? Well, I think we're on dangerous ground whenever we tell anyone what we think God's will is for them. Mm. Um, It's really putting us in God's place, and I think that's really dangerous ground. The other thing is, when the woman caught in adultery was brought before Jesus, you know, what did he say? Um, Let the person without sin cast the first stone. Right. None of us. There's no one qualified to judge. Mm. None of us. That's God's place. Um, I I never felt a liberty to leave my husband. We did have um, a long period of sexual abstinence. We got a lot of counseling. Our counselors never told us to separate, although it was always an option. Um, I, what, I guess the best way to answer that is to tell you just what happened to me, because I did have a hard time forgiving him, and I, I do not want to minimize it. It's the hardest thing I ever did in my whole life, right. and it, it will be. And I, I look at Ted Haggard's wife and, mm. and any wife, any wife, I know it will be the hardest thing they ever do because it's our deepest betrayal we have ever, ever had. But I had this feeling that, okay, God has betrayed me too. And Mm -hmm. that's when I finally got to the point. One day I was to be a speaker at a women's retreat for communion, and I kept reading the account of Jesus in the garden. And I, for the first time in my life, realized what he did for me. He came down and walked beside us. He was betrayed with a kiss. He did Mm. not want the Father's will. He did not want to go to the cross, and he was honest about it. And I thought, Jesus, my gosh, you know exactly how I feel. You didn't, you know, I don't want to be married to a sex addict. I don't want this to be my life. And yet, for some reason, God's allowing this into my life. And Jesus' example was he cried, he sweat drops of blood, his face was to the ground, he was honest, he was begging God if there's any other way, and yet, your will be done, God, not mine. And, you know, it was so amazing because I realized that Jesus didn't just um, understand, but he actually feels the exact way I feel. Right. And I felt so understood and so comforted Mm -hmm. and to experience. And that's when I, that's, I, for the first time I understood what Paul was talking about, about sharing the fellowship of Christ's suffering. And I entered this fellowship with Jesus that is, that I've never even knew was possible. And you know, it was not easy, but I have to say that you, he fills you with his grace and the same, the same grace God gave him to get through the garden. He gave to me to get through my marriage and to restore my faith in God. 
And um, if I would have left my husband and mm-hmm. I had every scriptural right to, I would have not found my own deepest relationship with Jesus. That's right. what I would have lost out on. Right. And it, my, I thought that I was just fine. Right. And we just needed to get my husband healed. <laughs> yeah, isn't that isn't that the way it goes? But yeah. hey, if you're and, just uh, if... you know, I even we even our counselors because this was 15 years ago, they didn't know a lot about sex addiction, and even our counselors were saying, "This is not about you, Molly. Right. You know, this is just about your husband. You're fine. You're fine." I wasn't fine. Hmm. I was. He was the prodigal son, but you know what? I was the older brother. Right. Let's talk about that. But if you're just turning in, this is the Blazing Grace Radio Show, and we have uh, with us Molly Ann Miller, find, the author of Finding Healing for the Betrayal of Sex Addic- Sexual Addiction. So, Molly, uh, let's talk about that. Uh, you said um, earlier with us uh, the, about the prodigal son that your husband was a prodigal son. Share with us a little bit about your view of you being the older brother. Okay. Well, for the first 10 or 11 years after I found out about his addiction, I was such an older brother because I had been my whole life. I had been brought up in a very judgmental, critical family. We found our identity by how we looked, uh, outward appearance, doing all the right things. Um, And I brought that into my Christianity, and I didn't even realize it. Right. I did not have genuine grace, and um, I I felt I was helping my husband to kind of judge him. You know, are you going to your meetings? What are you doing to help yourself with your addiction? How are you doing? I was very shaming. I was a critical. I I knew I was much better than him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know I'm just amazed that he held up against that. So was what what was your intimacy mechanical? I mean, it, it would it would seem to me that your intimacy would have been kind of awkward, even though it had been ten years. I think that's what you said. Uh, you mean sexual intimacy? Well, well, all the above. You all, know. all the above. You know, it, it, no, and I'll tell you why. Because we had so much more intimacy than we'd ever had before, just by him getting honest. Right. So that was a life source for you then. Yes. That, okay. It was a huge, giant step forward for us to start facing reality in his life, but it was 10, 12 years before we started facing reality in my life. And what finally happened is I finally got so demanding with him and was so, I, I, my standards were so high that I went to my counselor at one point and I said, you know, I just, is he ever really going to be the husband that I want? And Mm. my (laughs) counselor looked at me and he said, you're putting him in God's place. Mm. Yeah. You're trying to get him to meet all your needs. You have to be a whole person in Jesus. He has to be a whole person in Jesus. And then when you come together, the marriage will be healthy. And he said, this is just as much idolatry as your husband had with the sex. You're expecting him to make you feel good, beautiful, lovely, whole. It's never going to happen. That's got to come from within you and how God views you. Well, I, I was indignant. You know? Yeah, you, you wrote in uh, Chapter 6, of, uh, in, in, in the title's Codependence, uh, you quoted uh, Henry Cloud's uh, Changes That Heal, thinking our own thoughts is the beginning of freedom and responsibility. That was, that was kind of where you were at, right? You exactly. started to realize. And I did not realize I was just chewing up and spitting out my family of origins thoughts. You know, Mm. it was um, if people around me make me feel good, then I'm a good person. And 
it didn't come really from within me. And um, so I'm really the one that almost ruined the marriage, not my husband, because I really didn't have the acceptance for myself. Um, so that was huge. I mean, I went through this. I, I, then I went through another whole grief process about my family of origin. Right. Oh, my gosh. We're not what I thought we were. We are really dysfunctional. In fact, we were more dysfunctional than my family, than my husband's family of origin. Right. Um, my parents drank way too much. Um, I was the little adult that took care of everybody, basically. Mm. You know, my job was to keep Dad happy. Um and I was still doing it. Right. And you were doing that. You, you actually performed the same behavior you had in your family now exactly. in your marriage. Exactly. And this is such an important point. For some reason, addicts find spouses that we, we find each other. Right. Because yeah. that is what we feel comfortable with. Right. And it's sick, but that's what we do. Exactly. And the church you were talking about where the women are telling her to leave, you know, it's First of all, what they're saying is there's not enough grace for this situation. God's grace is limited in this situation. Get out of it. That's not the truth. The truth is God has enough grace for any situation. We're the ones that limit it. The second thing is if she leaves and doesn't find her own healing and her own recovery, she'll pick another addict. Maybe it won't be a sex addict, but it'll be a perfectionist, a workaholic, whatever. And and Molly Ann, get this. I mean, we're dealing with something that has to be in, you know, outside the church, a 80-90% issue in the secular world. And in the church world, we're looking at men who are 60% in the church, 50-60% of the men in church are struggling with this. So the likelihood of of that person repeating, finding another man is struggling with this, the stats are extremely high. Oh, it's guarantiable unless she changes. Right. Exactly. Good point. And, and I, I, I love this, this line. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And <laughs> if, we, if we don't use the truth as an opportunity for growth for ourselves, mm-hmm. then we're shortchanging ourselves. And, um, you know, I'm making it sound like this is really easy, but I have to tell you, you know, I've cried and cried and cried and cried and grieved and journaled through I don't know how many journals. It's been really hard. But the payoff, I, I'm so, to, to be able to say I'm thankful now that God allowed this sex addiction in my marriage is so amazing to me. Yeah. It's amazing to me. I really yeah. feel that way. Well, see, that that's pretty rare. That's pretty rare. Well, Molly, Molly, you made a comment um, that the church is filled with older brothers and in looking at the big picture for a church where 60% of the men are looking at porn, what does that mean we need to take a hard look at at the church at large? Well, I think it's—I I love that question because I was right there. And um, I think if people just honestly ask themselves what's, what's their deepest secret feelings— in their heart, like towards Tad Haggard, towards my husband, towards a, a sex addict. If it is at all judgmental, if they're not the first person setting a stone down, walking away and saying, hey, I'm really broken too, then, just like me, they're an older brother. They're mm-hmm. standing there judging, and we, almost the entire church does it. And it's because that's how we were raised. We've been raised in very judgmental mm-hmm. homes, and we think Christianity is about looking good on the outside. It's not. Christianity is about grace for our brokenness. So what I, 
What I really believe is until we feel safe enough in our churches to be honest about our brokenness and know we will be accepted from our brothers just like we are from Jesus, then we have a lot of work to do in the church. So then the question is, how does a church become safe? I think there has to be some courageous people that start. Mm -hmm. But it's it's got to start with the leadership because if they don't support you, there's there's no hope. I yeah, mean, it I, just won't happen in that church. Yeah, I I go, I go to Pastor Ted's church, uh, you know, and and I love Pastor Ted, and and even when it happened, I loved him, and 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 I understood it. But I'm starting to see a couple weeks later there is a move where people in the church are becoming. I'm getting a lot of people, and I of course it's a big church, so I'm not worried about anybody knowing who this is. But I'm getting a lot of clients coming from the church, men who are starting to say, you know what. I'm struggling with this. Well, to tell you the truth, when I heard about Ted Haggart, my heart leapt. The the most yeah, loving too. thing mine God too. could do is uncover yeah. our mm-hmm. sin. Yeah. It, it is. is the most loving. It grows in secret. The minute it's in the open, healing starts. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know what? He may he may think he's ruined, but God has so oh, yeah. much yeah. healing ahead for so many people. And I think through his brokenness, he'll reach far more people than he ever did trying to put up appearances. I agree. Well, if in our group last night, one of the guys told me a story. Just recently, a pastor was showing a PowerPoint presentation at his church, and a porn image popped up. And, and what had happened was he was looking at porn himself, <gasps> and he immediately confessed it and resigned. Wow. So... so there is no secret sin that no. we can hide that God isn't going to at some time uh, expose. Right. Hey, Molly, we got one minute left. Okay. What, what your book, uh, we didn't really even cover much about that. We covered you know, your story. Okay, I just want to encourage anyone that even suspects their husband has this problem, get in a support group. Don't go it alone. Um, Molly Ann Miller at my website there's links to support groups um, or call what is, what is your website? MollyAnnMiller.com. Okay. Okay. Um, the most important thing is you're not alone. Yeah. And it's not the end of the world. It's actually the beginning of much more intimacy. It's, it really can give you, if, if you face the truth, and it's not easy, it can give you what you always really deeply I, wanted. I, I totally agree, and, and we are all echoing that sentiment here, and this is the reason why we do this radio show. Thank you, Molly Ann, for being with us. Thank you so much for echoing uh, the mission that we have, and if you would like to give to the Blazing Grace Radio Show, please listen to how you can do that. This is Rob McIntyre and Mike Janung and Molly Ann Miller saying so long. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 6. 62521 Colorado Springs, Colorado 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, PO Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at triple w 
blazinggrace.org. That's triple W B L A Z I N G G R A C E dot O R G forward slash radio dot H T M. On that page, you'll find a downloadable copy of this show, or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries. Look for Blazing Grace Radio. If you want help resolving a sexual addiction, you can reach Rob McIntyre and Jason Graves toll free by dialing 877-590-SOUL. That's 877-590-7685. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening, and may God shine his grace upon you. It's time to be free to live for God, free to run. (laughs) 